Welcome to DBCY. Today we begin a new digital series where we, the leaders and teachers of Dunwoody Baptist Church, try to tackle certain tough questions that believers and skeptics alike uh, might have regarding the Christian faith. I'm Gary McIntyre. I get to be your host. Some of the topics we discuss over the duration of this series might be mere curiosities to some, uh, while others might be what's hindering people from taking a step of faith uh, toward Christ, or maybe might have even caused them to lose their faith uh, along the way. Uh, the purpose of our series is to address those questions and concerns for those that might have them. Uh, in today's episode, I'm joined by DBC Senior Pastor Alan Jackson and Student Pastor Brian Smith. Together, we're going to discuss why does God allow evil? Why is there evil and suffering? How, how could a loving God allow so much suffering? So, Alan, uh, at Brian, as we begin to address these questions, I mean, I, I know we can probably all think of people who've who've made this statement. I'm no longer a Christian because of this. I think immediately of Ted Turner. He had some kind of crisis of faith because his sister was uh, sick or something. Uh, Charles Templeton, who used to tour with Billy Graham, he said he saw the evil and suffering in the world, and that steered him away from faith. Uh, and so this is a question that's been with us for a long time. Uh, I would say this before we get into that, Alan, this is kind of leading into your next sermon series, right? Can you kind of lead us into that? It is. Uh, we uh, are going to spend the summer uh, with questions that Jesus actually asked. And uh, they, this in, I think, Luke chapter 11, they actually asked him about this. And he said, we're all going to die and you need to repent. <laughs> and so he, he addressed this very question, but the the... The podcast series is for us to deal with questions that people are asking, and the sermon series is to deal with questions that Jesus asks. Right, and I want to actually make this an ongoing series, so even beyond what you're doing, I want to keep this thing rolling, because, I mean, there's no end to the questions that, that, that people have, and I think that we can speak to those in a way that they need to hear them. Uh, so, Alan, I'm going to start off with you then. So someone approaches you and asks you the question, how do, I don't believe in God. Why does God? Why, how can a good God allow evil to exist? What's your response to them? Well, what I would say here, and Brian can help me, the, the, there, there's a, a huge topic called the problem of evil or the problem of suffering. And, and, and it's probably the number one objection that people have to becoming a Christian is because they ascribe evil to something that God either, uh, what are the, the three assumptions that if God is so powerful, then he could stop evil. If God is so loving, he would want to stop evil. If evil still exists, either God is not powerful or not loving. And so that sort of frames the whole uh, problem of evil discussion, and then from there it gets personal, right? My grandfather passed away. My wife got hit by a car. My cousin got cancer. Yeah, why would God allow babies to die? And uh, and so that that becomes um, a place where many people who follow Christ are almost instantly on the defensive because they feel like it's their job to defend God. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's not just death, right? It's not just a kid who dies. It's a kid who suffers and it seems so unfair. Um, and I think it's unwise a lot of times to not acknowledge how unfair and awful that uh, stuff we're is. We're absolutely tone deaf if we say 
if if we try to deny that suffering yeah. exists, yeah. the pain in someone who's grueling it out through chemo or who who like you say even worse yet watching a child or a or an older person or uh, someone who is in the prime of life and and was hit by a drunk driver those are uh, for us as believers to say oh we can't know the mind of God it's just dismissive and condescending and it's it's tone deaf to what they're really asking yeah I think it's it, there's truth but there's you know a way too that is like it wounds, right? It wounds harder. Yeah. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> this isn't exactly the question you're asking, but I think there's something too about when you see, when when you see how people respond to suffering, um, what like the way you view God impacts the way you respond to those suffer those right. moments of suffering. Right. And and uh, just as last week, I was at a funeral for a six year old. Um, his name was Will Franklin. Um, he had a Raider's disease that was called Mirage. Um, some bizarre, um you know, super, super low probability chance of, of survival. And the doctor told him uh, his mom who was born, he would be lucky if he ever made it to two. And he got through a whole year of kindergarten. He got to play like my baseball team. Oh, wow. Um, he got to ride a bus to school. They talked about at the funeral how excited he was just to be able to ride the, the bus. Uh, uh, something that, you know, so people take for granted. But I, I just bring it up because when Sarah, my wife and I were at the funeral. We we're in the, the church. And we look back and we see his mom as she's about to, to walk in. And uh, she collapsed, like fell to the ground, sobbing. Her dad had to pick her up, like sobbing. And they walked into the front of the church and they were singing Will's favorite church songs. And the mom who was collapsing under the weight of the suffering in the lobby was worshiping harder than anyone else in the service. Um, and that's, I don't know, man. That's it's hard to explain that though. That's powerful. It's, you know, when, when, when as a pastor, uh, I'll go to visit uh, an older member of our church this afternoon who who probably doesn't have many months left, and and my prayer for her is is that she will sense the very presence of God. Yeah. You know, I, I can't I can't try to pray for healing in a way that makes her think that somehow I can say abracadabra and call down healing from God. At the same time, I believe in healing. Uh, I believe that God can alleviate suffering. I believe that God is powerful, is loving, is present, is knowing. At the same time, I can't know everything about his intentions. Mm -hmm. And I can only say personally that some of the pain that I've experienced in life, I look back on and go, he was teaching me something in that pain. Mm -hmm. But that's a really lame thing to say to a non-believer. Yeah, I just think I I, I think about Megan, that mom. Yeah. But when you see real faith collide yeah. with real suffering, right? It, it like it's heartbreaking, but it's also beautiful. There's something there that like I, even if you're not a believer, when you see it, you're like, what in the world? This, that that they've got something I don't have. They have a resource. You know, I, I I'm a rational person, and I. I often, when whenever I hear somebody accuse God of not alleviating suffering, I think, well, if somebody doesn't believe in God, who do they blame? Yeah. If they if they don't believe in the existence of God at all, they are as naive as I am if they don't acknowledge that the world is a pretty crummy place. 
that there's a lot of things that happen that are that are horrible. And if you don't believe in God, who do you blame? Mm -hmm. And uh, so the problem of evil rests solely on the discussion about the existence of God. So I'm I'm looking at both of you, and I realize youth pastor, youth pastor. I've been in youth ministry. I mean, it's like if I had to try to trace it back to like an unbroken line from now to you. I mean, when did you start in student ministry? Of late seventies, early eighties. Late seventies. Yeah. So I mean, in all those times, it seems to be the the one lingering stumbling block that keeps popping back up is this idea of evil and suffering and it's not uh restricted to to people like on their deathbed or tragedy i mean we have, we have kids who are asking these kind of questions uh and and uh and i look at you and i'm wondering like how, how does this one even do student ministry these days things have changed so much even since when i was doing it so if someone approaches you with these questions what kind of concerns and challenges are you seeing with the kids under your uh, ministry yeah I, so i think uh the the this question is always we do we do question series we ask kids to submit questions right usually once a year once every other year and every every time it's the same question that gets brought up over and over and over right. again and it's hard to give like a, a concise answer because I'm a rambler, <laughs> like in general. So here, this, this is the way I always kind of explain it or talk to, this is the way it makes sense to me the most. Um, the God never promises that the world that we live in is the perfect world, right? The promise of the perfect world is there will be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth, right? Revelation 20, that, that this earth will flee from his presence because there's no room for him, right? This... Um, the, the world that we're in now is the world where God is preparing the perfect, you know, world. And there are some things um, in, in the perfect world that can't exist without this space in between it, right? So, like, a, a, a perfect person would be a person that was full of faith but would never have to struggle with doubt again. Or mm -hmm. a person who had bravery but didn't have an enemy to fight against. Or a person who had... Um, knew what it was like to be forgiven without ever sinning again. Right. Uh, and part of the world that we're in now is God preparing us to be the people who will be in that new heaven and be in the, the new earth. Um, so we need an enemy to fight. We need battles to win now, knowing that one day we'll, there'll be a place where there are no tears, and there are no suffering, and there is no hate. See, I like this this one day thing that you were talking about because it kind of leads something that that has been on my mind that, that – I'm reminded of is that evil and suffering, they're only for a season. It wasn't God's original plan uh, by any means. Uh, we, we managed to break that and break it pretty good. Uh, and we have a whole Bible that tells us, all right, this is what God's doing about that. Uh, and, and there's definitely this future uh, hope that we have that evil is not going to persist. Suffering is not going to persist. And the question comes up, well, why doesn't God put an end to it? Because he could. If he's all loving, if he's all powerful, he can put an end to it anytime he wants to. And I start thinking, well, okay, yes, he could. But what if he did that 100 years ago? What if he did it 1,000 years ago? Who's, who misses out? All of us, we don't we don't get to enjoy God because we weren't even born. He never promised that he would end it here, right? As, yes, as, but he's going to end. As Ryan said, yeah. "It's a it's a fallen world." And even when Jesus was asked about this thing, I talked about it a minute ago. The context was that uh, he told a story of a tower falling and 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 killing some people, and the the question was, did they do something that caused them to deserve to die? And Jesus's answer was, "We all deserve to die." Right. 
And, and if you don't repent, you will die forever. And, and his, his context was what Brian was saying, that it's to focus on this world is sort of the wrong question. That's not to deny the reality of suffering. I think your job is harder now with students than mine was uh, in the 70s because there was, uh, now the the truth is based on the feels, right? If if I feel bad then, yeah. whereas a lot of generations, and of course this, this discussion can be traced all the way back to Epicurus in the, the Greek times that the problem of evil, the problem of suffering, C.S. Lewis wrote about it. Um, every thinker has written about it. Alvin Plantinga has written about it. This, this idea that we have to have an explanation. And that to me is the source of where I would have a conversation with a non-believer. Why do you have to have an explanation? Why does everything have to be explained? Yeah. Why do we have to blame somebody for something or excuse somebody for something? Does bad stuff just happen? Yeah, I think it's important to just say, you know, especially when we talk to students, that it's not God causing you pain because you did something that made them angry, right? But at the same time, like another example I talk to my kids about, the students about a bunch is like, <clears throat> like bike riding. I want all my kids to ride their bikes, and there's no way to teach a kid to ride a bike without them getting hurt. Like, they're right. going to fall off their bike at some point, and I know they're going to fall off their bike. I'm not going to cause them. Like, I'm not going to kick them off their bikes while they're riding because that would make me a crazy person. <laughs> but I put all my kids on bikes knowing they're going to hurt themselves um, and knowing that the end, like the end goal would be worth the, the, the process they went through. And that stinks when you talk about, like, real pain, talking about, like, the mom who suffers. But I, I think there's truth in that as well. Like, how, like, why do people want to blame things? Because something inside us knows that there's more to the world than what it's we see. It's not what right. We yeah, there's yeah, more we to feel this. it. But when I talk to students in student ministry, um, I talk about knowing the character of the father. Like, if my kids didn't know me, trust me, and know that I love them, then when I put them on this metal contraption that caused their knees to bleed, they would question, like, why would you do this? Do you really love me? Exactly. Yeah. But because they know me and they know my character, they trust me to get back on the bike, even though it hurts them. And now they can all ride. Maybe not downhill super fast yet, but they're, they're doing it. And I think it's the same thing. It's just, it's a, it's a perspective that we can't totally grasp because we're too young. Like they don't, you know what I mean? When, when you're young, you don't get why your parents let this stuff happen. And you get older, you look at it and you're like, oh, I see it. In the same right. way, like, I know the character of the father, and even though my perspective isn't old enough to understand why he does what he does, I have to be willing to trust him until I'm old enough to I see it. I think the key is he he does allow yeah. suffering, and and sometimes it's uh, it's as uh, like when you see your son doing something foolish on a bicycle mm -hmm. that you know is going to result in more pain than he really needs uh you let him mm -hmm. because he he needs to learn from his decision making yeah my dad my my dad's favorite quote to me as a kid was if you're going to be dumb then you better be tough but there's a lot of times instead of telling me not to do something he would be like all right i hope you're tough enough to handle you're gonna whatever be dumb, you're, you're about to be 
Well, I, you know, I preached a sermon a few weeks ago that it says that sometimes bad things are because of the culture. Yeah. We're in a fallen world. Right. Sometimes bad things are uh, from natural uh, dynamics, the famines, the floods, the mm-hmm. uh, the building collapsed. Which is also it's a part of the, the groaning under the weight of sin. I mean, everything's breaking down. And then Romans, Paul says that in in instances of depravity he he lets the consequences of someone's sin run its full course and and so we do have a god who allows suffering but we cry out to know his presence we cry out to know his character we cry out to know the heart of his his love and and I can't ever say enough of that to convince somebody who's decided that the problem of evil is keeping them from becoming a follower of Christ. Yeah. I think the, the other thing, uh, and then what makes what makes Christianity so unique and, and our faith so unique is the way uh, the scripture tells us to prepare for suffering. Like at no point, at, at no point in the, in the Bible does it say, the more you love God, the less you'll experience suffering, right? The, the son who God said, this is son, I'm, I'm proud of him, well pleased, experienced, you know, social isolation, pain, um, the the separation at the cross. He, he went through all of that. There's, I can't remember who said the quote, but there's somebody who said that um, um, Jesus suffered on the cross, um, not that we would avoid suffering, but so that our suffering would have a purpose, that we don't suffer for no reason. Right. We suffer under the love and the guidance of a God, even if we don't understand why. And I think yeah. we see that in the agony of Christ on the cross. That, yeah. That that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that if it was possible that this suffering would be removed, but the purposeful commitment to whatever God was up to, God just just let us see purpose in this. Let us yeah. Let us let us on the other side of it, Gary. You know, you said it that 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 most suffering is temporal. And in the the picture of how long a life is on earth, it it is temporal. Right. Uh, You know, we'll go to Israel and see things that are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old where we stoop and find an old penny and we go, the Jesus is old and it's, you know, 40 years old. Mm -hmm. But our perspective on suffering is that it's, it's forever when you're in it, uh, but in the big picture, it's temporal. Not to excuse it, it's it's still it's, awful. It's but awful. I think I think knowing the heart of the Father and yeah. trusting that His perspective is better, yes, is the thing. And you, you were talking about like why does why does God not just step in and end it all now? That's that's First Peter, right? He doesn't right. tarry, he doesn't wait the way people think he waits. Right. The heart of the Father, the desire of God is that all would come to repentance. You know that's. That's why he's pausing and waiting, because at the heart of the Father is at the, the, the core of all of these things. Right. I mean, just the, even the idea to think that, you know, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, God put an end to it, and the the fact that, all right, well, then, then I'm out of it. I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, that just makes me grateful, even whatever suffering I might be going through, because I can't think of a single person who has died, maybe is in heaven, and they'd look back and say, man, if, if I, I wish these doors were closed. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like no, I, 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 yeah, it's not worth it. Uh, it's not worth it. I do. I think. I think too. Like, because the question is like, where, like, what? Why does God allow evil at all? Like, why does He allow right. people to make decisions that hurt other people? Why does God allow those things? The you know, the other part of that is He, God desires a true relationship with His people, and you can't have a real relationship without choice. Right. Like, if you force someone to love you, it's not love. That's right. that's abuse. Abuse. And so God, God allows humanity to make choices. And the consequences of their acts. But at yes, the same time, worse. Yes. At the same time, I, I wouldn't see the absolute uh, scandalous beauty of grace unless I could see it against sin. Yeah. I If I didn't see the reason that God sent his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If I didn't have a view of perishing, I wouldn't have a value in that eternal life. Yeah. And there there is something to be said for that that one of the, the big picture purposes of evil is to is to show us the 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 purity or the beauty of God's character in contrast. Well, that's what I meant about the this is the process that God is in to right. create the perfect world, right. right? So we're not in that now, but like the goal is there will be people in heaven who you have been redeemed, but will never have to pray for forgiveness again. Right. And some of those characteristics that like create like a, the, the ideal humanity, the ideal person, like can't be experienced without, without. the evil in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, one of the things, and y'all both have spoken to this already, uh, talking about how you see people who suffer and endure well. Uh, to me, there's probably nothing more moving than seeing someone who you know is going through all kinds of suffering, but the witness that they bring through that. I mean, how much more can they touch the life of somebody else who is going through that same thing, especially if they're a non-believer, and say, look, this is how I got through that. How much more are they might be open from someone who's experiencing the same thing? I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why another one of the reasons why God allows you know Christians to suffer uh, if for no if for no other reason I don't know the thing did a thing uh, so it's one of those things that God allows people to suffer because all right this is the witness this is how people can be drawn to me uh, and so He might put that thorn in our life for no other purpose than to bring glory to Himself yeah um, so what else as we close this thing out what else do you might want to uh, to bring to the table. I think Brian Brian said it. We we can't ignore suffering, or dismiss it, or condescend it. It, it is real, and and in the the Bible is full of stories of people who suffered. Job, Joseph, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus uh, allowed the disciples to learn through suffering. The he he could have calmed the sea. As soon as it uh, became a, a problem, but he allowed the disciples to struggle against the wind and the waves, yeah. and and there is a a sense that we are uh, are not genuine if we try to say that there is no suffering. At the same time, we are some kind of prideful if we think that we can eventually come up with an explanation for. Well, I mean, it's like you just reminded me of uh, you, you, Paul writes about all those things that he had to go through, the times that he was shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and whipped and scourged and all that stuff. And he, I think one time he mentions that he was uh, uh, lashed, what, five times. 
And I'm thinking, it, for the, and just last week was the first time it hit me. That's what happened to Jesus. And he did it five times. And you got to think, you know, the second time he knows what's coming. And the third time and the fourth time, he knows the suffering that he's about to go through, yet he endures through it all. And that's, that's just a powerful testimony to me. And I'm like, could I do that? I, th- I like to think I can. Uh, but just the idea that he did the same thing Jesus went through five times yeah. on top of all that other stuff. See, that, that, that moment in Mark 2 when he's on the boat and he calms the, the wind and the waves, I try to like, I've tried to write a message on this. And I can't word it in a way that makes sense to other folks. But I always think about like the biggest miracle in that moment was not Jesus stopping the storm. It's that he was on the boat with him. Right. Right. Isn't that crazy? Like in the middle well, yeah. of I mean, didn't he just like walk across? He, didn't that how he got there? Well, this this one, they were going just across the water. Oh, so this was a this different story. Nap. They were mad. And oh, yeah. Okay. Sleeping during the storm. But he like, what a crazy idea. It's not that Jesus stops the storms in your life. It's that he's in the boat with you in the storm. Right, that yeah, no, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I, I'd say this just to go back. I know because we're trying to wrap it up. Uh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. With with students, one of the things I bring up a bunch is that knowledge doesn't equal causation, right? Knowing that something's going to happen. Because one of the things that people bring up is like, if God is all-knowing, he knows the stuff's going to happen. So he must be the one who's causing those things to happen. And I don't think that knowledge automatically equals causation, right? Right. right. So like, uh, I, I'm an awful basketball player and I'm out of shape now, right? Uh, but if I was going to play one-on-one against LeBron, I know I'm going to lose. I know that, but me knowing that doesn't cause that to happen. And you would still try. I'm still trying, but I'm yeah. going to lose. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's the same way. God's knowledge doesn't require that he causes evil, right? Knowledge doesn't automatically equal causation. Right. 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 Yep. All right. Anything else? Well, there's lots and lots, but uh, we probably need to wrap this up. I, well, we're going to do a lot more of these, so we'll have we, time. Are we asking folks to like comment? Are we posting this someplace where they can comment? Uh, yes. Matter of fact, I'm about to talk to them about that in just a second. Oh, because that'd right. be an easier. It'd be more fun to come back and respond to right comments about right what we said. Do you know what I mean? Awesome. All right. So uh, we hope you join us for next week's episode of DBC Why, uh, where I'll be joined by DBC's executive pastor, Alan Tolliver, and discipleship pastor, John Hume. Uh, in that episode, we're going to tackle the question, what happens when we die? If you're new to Dunwoody Baptist Church, uh, I'd like to know more about us. You can find us at dbc.org. Uh, if you have any questions or if you want to follow up to any of the questions that uh, you've just heard, if you'd like to ask some more questions, if we haven't answered enough for you, uh, contact me at digitaldbc at dbc.org. Uh, that would also be the uh, address where you could submit your own challenging questions, and we'll try to get to them if we uh, have an opportunity. If you're on social media and found any value in what you heard today, we encourage you to share this link on your media pages. Uh, so So thank you again for joining us. I'm Gary McIntyre with uh, Alan Jackson and Brian Smith. We'll see you next time.